When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thing led to another, and next thing you know, we're on the sideline. I got him in the headlock, he punching my ribs. Oh, Thursday night football is going to be so much fun! I can't wait. Welcome to Beck All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from nine to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitchtv BetQL on YouTube, and follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Corey Parson will share his favorite plus money bangers in the NFL and college football. And then at 1020 Eastern time, Reed Wallach will uncover any and all remaining value in the college football futures market. We will get to Thursday night football between the Ravens and the Bengals in about 20 minutes or so. But first, let's recap our top story from yesterday and that Deshaun Watson, the Browns quarterback, is out for the remainder of the season with a shoulder injury. And starting at quarterback for Cleveland for Sunday against Pittsburgh is Dorian Thompson Robinson. The line is continuing to move. It is now Browns minus one at BetMGM and pretty much everywhere else. The total is down to 33. Joe, when you look at all of these movements and maybe even some of your futures when it comes to the Browns, how does this DTR news impact what you will be doing? Mm, I, I don't like what they're doing. I said it yesterday at the time. I wasn't buying into the source uh, when the report came out during our show, probably because they, that source has been wrong multiple times, that reporter. But the other thing is it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, yes, I understand what the numbers are telling us and the metrics about P.J. Walker. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, we can make that case for a lot of backups out there. Um, it, it's I'm having a tough time with it because I also feel that was my strong case yesterday that Deshaun Watson isn't worth much to the number. And there is an overreaction. And I do feel there was an overreaction. But I don't know what DTR is. That's the thing. We're, we're trying to figure figure that out. Now, should we trust Stefanski, the guy that has more information on this guy than anyone? I guess a little bit. But I also know that there are going to be bumpy roads ahead with a, with an inexperienced quarterback. We see it with every rookie quarterback. We're seeing it with C.J. Stroud, which could go down as one of the better rookie quarterback seasons we've ever seen. So, yeah, I, I'm really torn on this. In the micro, in this week, I want to bet on Cleveland. But big picture-wise... It's, it, there's going to be rough patches that I just feel overall it would be a smoother road to the playoffs for the Cleveland Browns if they just stuck with Walker. Yeah, it's it is interesting. I like your point about trusting Stefanski. I don't think DTR is going to be CJ Stroud. DTR was exciting and electric during preseason, but then when he's got some playing time during the regular season, it wasn't quite the same. So <laughs> I've just got to trust that Stefanski knows what he's doing because it's not like they're out of it in the division. So it's a little head scratching, but he must have seen something, or at least in this specific matchup, he thinks DTR gives him a better chance to be competitive. 
And that's certainly a possibility in terms of taking on this Steelers front, which although is quite good, especially when it comes to pass rushing with a mobile quarterback in DTR, that's going to be a big question mark in terms of what the Steelers can do against him. So definitely that matchup, Aaron, makes a whole lot of sense. I suppose I have a unique perspective here because last season I did go to the Rose Bowl more than a couple of times to watch UCLA football play, and I got to watch DTR a good bit. And this is more of an eyeball test than it is anything else. But even though when I was watching him in college, I never found him to be overly spectacular, he did really look like a leader of men it did seem like that the rest of the team really looked up to him and followed his lead a good bit. They were always talking to him, always being inspired by him. And I think sometimes you can see that in person in a football game. That was really impressive. And it was one of those things where I I was thinking to myself, okay, I don't know if he necessarily has the talent to be a consistently good starting quarterback in the NFL, but I know he's charismatic. And I know a lot of locker rooms Mm -hmm. would love to have someone like that, Mm -hmm. even if, say, he's a perennial backup quarterback for a long time. He just seems to have the personality and the cloud and temperament, all those things to where people want to be around him. People like him and he can be a leader. And I wonder if these leadership qualities matter in a situation like this where, yeah, the defense for the Browns is playing really, really well. No doubt about that. But defense can be inconsistent from one game to the next and certainly one season to the next. So as the road does get bumpy and you have tough division games and tough out-of-division games for the rest of the season, knowing full well it is going to be a fight to get into the playoffs, knowing all of those things. I do wonder if DTR being in the huddle can be a positive presence. And I'm a little outside my comfort zone saying these kinds of things just maybe as a data guy, but I just couldn't help but be impressed with him. And you know what you have in PJ Walker, right? Like you, you kind of know what you're going to expect. Maybe you don't know what you're going to expect out of DTR, but I think the floor is such to where I don't know if he can be that much worse than PJ Walker. And look, if DTR is really, really bad, you can go back. It's okay. Nobody says yeah. you can't do that. The leash may very well be short. And I think, Joe, that's okay. Know what you have in your rookie quarterback, and then you can make further decisions from there. This is a one-game thing, maybe even a one-half thing if DTR is that bad. doesn't necessarily have to reflect what you're going to do the rest of the year. It's probably a little unfair to the quarterback, but honestly, something that's uh, stuck in the back of my mind is DTR, to no fault of his own, actually credit, he had a terrific preseason. He is one of the he was mm-hmm. one of the standout guys that people were talking about throughout those three weeks. And what did we see with some of the other standout quarterbacks in the preseason? They had their issues. Oh, we're back in reality here, Kenny Pickett, and <laughs> some of the other names out there. So that's kind of lingering with me a little bit. That okay, we don't want to overreact to that what we saw in the preseason. But yeah, I maybe. There's no real difference. Maybe they're about the same. It's interesting, drop-off-wise, like a lot of people are going to point out in the space that this week you see a three-point move from four to one. I'd also point out that before the Watson injury was lingering, that maybe you want to take a look at that look-ahead because that was five and a half. That was five and a half. Like We knew when the numbers came out on Monday that Watson was dealing with some, something. That report was out there, and I think that's why it was down a little bit. So really, I mean, we're talking about a four and a half to five point move. 
Yeah, I, I was thinking about what Ed was saying about DTR, and I kind of compare it to Joshua Dobbs. Like, just when you're talking about mm -hmm. the leadership, the temperament, when you hear Josh Dobbs talk, any press conferences I've heard in the last couple of weeks, I'm like, this is a guy. Like, if you don't like this guy and you're not rallying around him, I don't know. I might not trust you. Like, and maybe DTR has those intangibles that we really don't know about because just such a small sample size. So, it, yeah, I mean, you got to have a crystal ball and be a witch or a psychic to know what, <laughs> what he's going to be able to do. <laughs> what up, Swifty? <laughs> not a warlock, not not a voodoo expert. True, true. Got to get the right uh, <laughs> what, pronouns, I, uh, I guess. The, yeah, Browns what, might, what, the Browns might come up in our contest picks in the last hour of the show today. Just saying. Wow. Uh, you I'm, love I'm also Browns. just saying it, it may come up as well. That's uh, we might be uh, in the deal there. I, I could definitely yeah. see that happening. It, it's all about like when scouts and coaches are saying this guy has it. Well, what is it? How do you define it? And I don't mm -hmm. know if DTR has it, but certainly more than enough people think so. And, and Joe, I like your point about, okay, maybe PJ Walker, maybe, uh, you know, DTR, they're about the same. Well, then what do you do in case of a tiebreaker? You know, break the glass. How do you break this tie? I Give think because he's a rookie, <laughs> you can look at the long-term situation and go, yeah. okay, do we want to hang on to this guy? Because certainly, like, even for practice squads, like, having a charismatic quarterback out there can be a useful thing, especially someone with his yeah. mobility. Yep. Give me the rookie. And, you know, it also, <laughs> as bad as Watson's been, the other real part of the conversation, not just this year, but – you know, with everything the Browns have done, I know they have him locked up for a few more years, but hey, you know, maybe we have an option that's pretty close to Watson. It's really cheap mm -hmm. and he's going to be here a longer period of time. You know, maybe uh, maybe they end up uh, doing something like that. But, you know, sometimes ownership gets involved, especially with a team like Cleveland and the way that their organization is set up. But uh, yeah, you want you want an answer. Here's an opportunity to get an answer on the guy. And, and I'm sure that's what they're thinking. Absolutely. And a really important thing to be able to have uh, the sooner the better, because this whole Deshaun Watson thing is so up in the air. Get as much information about your quarterbacks as possible, because that is the most important position. OK, how about we move on now to a little baseball here, because uh, we've got some Cy Young Award winners. We've got Blake Snell and we've got Garrett Cole here. And Joe, it is fascinating where, you know, as much as we were piling on Blake Snell kind of throughout the season, he was just consistent. Maybe the outings weren't long enough, but the consistency paid off for him. And then when it comes to uh, Cole, I mean, he was kind of running away with this award for some time. We could say we, I guess, because Jake Jake is part of the family. He's part of the show. Um, he was fighting against it for months and months and months. He finally <laughs> caved at the very end because he realized exactly what was going to happen. And what happened in the vote is uh, Blake Snell got 28 out of 30 first place votes. And Garrett Cole got all 30. None of us are surprised that this was the result, that if you got a, a nice fat ticket on Snell, which was available early on in the year, I know some 50s were floating out there. You got some really big numbers. I'm sure there's better numbers than that. Uh, Cole, you're never going to get a good number on him. I think it was expected. I, I thought this was really interesting, and maybe there's something for us to take moving forward. Maybe there isn't. I'll just say on the Cole side, starting with the American League, felt like the voters thought it was his time. Really felt that way. And we all expected him to get it. But if we're being honest, if we go across the board looking at all the numbers, 
Cole was not as dominant as we've seen in the past. And I say it was his time because he's he was a runner-up multiple times, and we knew he was going to get one at some point. He was number one in ERA, number one in WHIP. But if we talk about some of the metrics that we that we typically take a look at, strikeouts, he was third. F4, he was third. X fifth among AL starters, he was six. So it's not like you would think when someone sweeps the board as far as all the first place votes that they would be first, second, and just about every metric. That was not the case for Cole. And then you look at the Snell thing, it was the same thing. Like, yes, first in ERA, second in strikes, strikeouts, but sixth in F4, seventh in XFIP among National League starters. So my takeaway ends up being that, okay, we think we have the formula for what voters are looking for in a Cy Young Award winner. Eh, you probably don't. And it felt like a bit of a throwback because both of these guys were the ERA leader in their given leagues, and they were up there in strikeouts, which we always look at. But a lot of the other metrics that we've been looking at in recent years, no, no, they didn't pop. They were not all top five in, in those. So I also, part of me is thinking, you know, we're looking at, sometimes we're looking at stuff that a lot of these voters aren't. We know, we all know ERA isn't the best way to evaluate a pitcher, but both of these guys were number one in ERA. And that's how a lot of voters are still going to roll. Hmm. I love that. That's really interesting because we've known Garrett Cole to be a dominant pitcher just based off reputation. And also I'm sure the team he plays for helps a lot. Um, and maybe, so what I hear you say is like, they kind of, the voters might've baked in some of that and felt like his time is now to win this award. He deserves it. I felt like that. I felt like that. How about you, Ed? Mm -hmm. I, I suppose. I mean, I think I probably look at things in a vacuum a little bit uh, when it comes to this award. And, and sometimes when it comes to legacy things, I, I, there are probably other sports where I'm a little bit more forgiving as far as like how someone performed last year and then carrying it over to this year. The Heisman might be a really good example of this. So as far as this award goes, I think it's fine. As far as process, though, and you know, it's always about learning new lessons for how to place bets going forward. I think my question, Joe, is like, are there other pitchers who can earn these legacy awards, assuming that they have a really good year. And when I think about that possibility, he was hurt last season, so we didn't get to see him at all. Mm -hmm. But what about like a closer? What about someone like Edwin Diaz, for instance? Like he, like I know closers usually don't get the Cy Young for the most part, but for someone who just is always creating buzz and he's been in the league for several seasons now, he's been in the show for a long time now. I do wonder, like, at some point, are we going to go the closer role? And maybe there are some bets to place there, assuming, you know, he's, you know, he's out there or another closer is out there who's going to be dynamite. You'd have to be miraculous. Like, no stumbles along the way. I have a tough time uh, buying into that. I know exactly what you're saying. And relief pitchers are more important than ever before because they're taking up much more of the game than ever before. And innings are going down for a lot of starting pitchers. But I, I think it's something that we end up talking about for a month here or there. It's something we talk like we do the same thing with uh, non quarterbacks as far as MVP. I just when it comes down to strikeouts, there's always going to be someone like over 200 strikeouts that just has a heavy workload as far as innings go. And so it's going to be tough. 
It would have to be a year where the best pitcher in the National League, like a Strider, has all those strikeouts, but he also has a mm-hmm. very high ERA, which is why he was not in the mix for this. I think we have one or two other names we will revisit later in the program. Until then, this is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our preview of Thursday Night Football, Bengals at Ravens. How tough is it finding good props with injuries and rookies making big impacts? That's right here on the BetQL Network.